Mark chapter, in Mark's gospel, we're, we're looking at who Jesus is, that he is the Lord of all. Uh, and last week, uh, uh, you uh, uh, got to look at Mark chapter 4, I believe. Uh, Jason Waters preached, uh, I think at this hour, at 9.30 and 11, and, and Craig Clayton preached at, uh, uh, at the 8 o'clock hour and at the 12.30 hour. Um, and uh, then 9.30 was happening over at uh, Crossroads Center. And and so uh, you looked at uh, Mark chapter 4, where Jesus is the Lord, of the Lord of all, where the wind and the wave obey him. And then we uh, uh, started and talked about Jesus is the Lord of all, and literally, Jesus is the gospel. He is the good news. Um, he is the kingdom of God that breaks into our world. Today, we're looking at Jesus, the healer. And uh, uh, just start off, if you have a broken watch, what do you do with it? You fix it. Uh, unless, unless you go to Walmart or Target like I do and buy the $9 watches and you wear them until they're worn out and then you chunk them. Uh, that's what I do. I have, uh, I have like four or five different uh, watches that I have to wear fishing because I get lost in track of time and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes if I don't know what time it is, I'll get in trouble. But uh, uh, so I, I go to Walmart or Target, I get these water-resistant watches, and they're $9, $10, and put them on, wear them until they wear out, and then I chunk them. I don't have to worry about it. So, so if you have a broken watch, you, you, you either get it fixed or you throw it away. I do have some fancy watches. I have a couple of fancy watches, and, and they're sitting in a drawer, and I don't wear them that often um, because I'm afraid I'm going to break them, and I don't want to have to get them fixed. If you, if you have a broken car, what do you do? Take it to Gene Brehan. Amen. All right. I, I have a Suburban that Gene has taken care of uh, for 10 years now, uh, and it is still, it needs some work, um, Gene. <laughs> needs to be inspected, and I know what that means. <laughs> and I don't really want to talk to you about it too much, so I'm doing it in front of all these people. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you have, a, you have a broken car, what do you do? You get it fixed. Uh, or you can trade it in. Somebody said it at the 8 o'clock, go ahead and sell that thing. Well, I can't sell it for anything. I mean, it, the, my Suburban, it's pretty much, it's the only value it's got is what I have in it. You know, I mean, uh, although it has just about new everything except for engine block. And some things are too uh, fixed twice or three times. But uh, when you drive a car that long, that's okay. You know, that's, that's good. It's a, a 1997 uh, Chevrolet Suburban. I like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, you, have a, you have a car that's broken. You, you, if you, uh, oh, our cell phones. I have six cell phones in my house. Uh, and I got home uh, yesterday, and, and I'd been trying, I'd been on the road uh, to go see my oldest daughter in, in, uh, at Liberty, and I was driving back, and I was calling the house, and nobody would answer, and I'd text, and nobody would respond. I was getting a complex. <laughs> I get there and come to find out that, uh, there's something wrong with cell towers or something, and, and you can't get a text, and you can't call in or call out. And, and what do you do when your cell phone's broken? No, really, what do you do when your cell phone's broken? <laughs> call AT&T. It's AT&T. Yeah, so call AT&T. Um, but you go to the person who can fix it. Well, today we're looking at how Jesus has come, and he has the power and the authority to fix what's broken. See, what do you do with a broken life? You go to the one who created life to get it fixed. 
Many of us are here today, and, and there are parts of our life that need to be fixed. There are parts of our life that need to be overhauled. There are parts of our life that are shattered and broken. Now, where do you go to get your life fixed? You go to the one who has the power and the authority to fix that life. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture today. Uh, We're kind of doing a survey of Mark's gospel today, looking at the places where Jesus uh, uh, healed people. And, And as we look here... We're not going to look at all the examples, although I'll refer to the majority of them. But uh, in Mark chapter 1, we see a great summary statement of Christ's ministry. So I'm going to read a whole chunk of this, okay? So Mark chapter 1, beginning verse 21, and uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, so you follow along as I read aloud. Mark chapter 1, beginning verse 21. Then they, they being Jesus and the disciples, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath... Jesus entered the synagogue and he taught, and and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit... Uh, had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice. He came out of the man. Then they, being the crowd, they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately Christ's fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, as, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue... They entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay uh, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. So he came, and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought uh, brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Stop. Wow. They knew him. And they were scared of him too. Verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen along before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. And as soon as Jesus had spoken, immediately the leprosy left the man and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you tell no one, uh, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, (laughs) uh, the man went out and began to proclaim it freely. 
and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was uh, outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Okay, so in those summary statements, and we'll pick up in in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12 in a minute, but in those summary statements, this is the great healings that Jesus did in Capernaum. And, and uh, as we look at that, uh, we see uh, that Jesus had authority. Now, his teaching had authority, verses 21 and 22. Uh, it, his teaching had authority. He spoke as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Now, the scribes spoke, um, and, and when people listened to the scribes, they were listening to, the, to men talk about what men thought. But when they listened to Jesus, they were listening to Jesus talk about what God said. There was a big difference. They they heard Jesus speaking, and and they were literally hearing the words of God, and they knew it. They knew that this was different than anything that they had ever seen. He came with authority, with the very words of God, and then he began to heal people. He began to heal the demon-possessed. He began to heal uh, those who were uh, uh, sick with fever, with leprosy. He, 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 he began to heal and, and demonstrate his power. So much so that the people in the synagogue said, what new doctrine is this? See what authority this guy has. They, they, they were seeing something that they had never seen before. They were hearing something that they had never heard before. See, Jesus was introducing a new day. And Jesus introduces a new day for us, and he's introduced that new day. He introduced it 2,000 years ago when he embarked upon the scene of human history. And he was bringing to pass the beginnings of the kingdom of God. He said, I'm here, and the kingdom of God is going to spark and come alive because of Jesus. You see, Jesus came to bring a new day for those of us dwelling in darkness and shadows. He came to to, to light our way to, to have hope in this life. Now, that new day has not shined altogether yet. You see, we're here today, and we still have sin, and de- uh, we still have uh, uh, sickness and disease and cancer and healing doesn't automatically come just because we ask for it, right? Uh, healing does not come. You see, sometimes, sometimes we're going to be stuck with the struggle. Sometimes we're going to um, endure uh, the difficulties. The Apostle Paul said that he had a thorn in his flesh. And even though he asked time and time and time again for that thorn to be taken away, God said, no, you got to hold on to it. But in the midst of it, he said, I'm going to be strong for you. My grace is going to be sufficient for you. You might walk with a limp. But God will make that limp into a dance for his praise. See, just because you don't get rid of the sickness doesn't mean that God doesn't care. And just because the the struggle doesn't end doesn't mean that, that God is unaware. Jesus came and he healed diseases and he healed the people that came to him. But there were a lot of people that he did not heal. 
See, we read the stories of his healings because they serve the purpose that God is introducing this new day through Christ. That God's kingdom, the way life was meant to be, was going to be tasted through Jesus Christ. But there were hosts of people who were not healed. Did God not care about them? Of course he did. And Jesus was introducing a new day. And that new day doesn't come to full measure until Revelation chapter 21. You you remember, and maybe you've heard it at funerals. I've, I've read it a couple of times myself. Revelation 21. Where John the Apostle says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. Here it is, Revelation 21, verse 4. This is the end of the book. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. See, it's not until Revelation 21, verse 4, that sickness is totally done away with. Jesus introduced it, In Mark chapter 1, he was inaugurating this beautiful new day whereby we might have hope in Christ so that he might fix what's broken in us. So you might say, well, I'm I'm sick. I've got this sickness and I've got this struggle and Jesus is not taking it away. Why hasn't he taken it away? Well, because Jesus not only introduces a new day, but, but Jesus fixes our greatest needs. See, Jesus fixes our greatest needs. And our greatest need is not our physical healing. Okay? Now, as I was working with our staff this week, I asked them for help in all of these different uh, uh, stories. And and they came up with life rules based upon uh, the different passages that we're going to look at. And the first life rule is this. Evidence of a true encounter with Jesus is a changed life. Life rule number one, evidence of a true encounter with Jesus is a changed life. The leper, the leper met Jesus, Jesus changed his life. Peter's mother-in-law met Jesus, Jesus changed her life. The man who was possessed by a demon met Jesus and Jesus changed his life. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, every person that meets Jesus in a true encounter of faith has their life changed. But the healing, the healing is not just for the physical. In fact, the healing itself is merely a sign that Jesus has the authority to meet the greatest of our needs. The healing is one thing, and it's a smaller thing. The healing of a physical infirmity, that's a smaller thing. The greatest thing is to restore a right relationship between us and God. Now, this is where Mark chapter 2 comes in. In Mark chapter 2, we see four men who were there in Capernaum, and they, they, uh, uh, they, they had probably experienced some of Christ's 
power and authority in their own life. They, they saw how that Jesus had the authority to do amazing, miraculous things. Maybe they were one of the, uh, one of the crowd in the synagogue who said, Wow, what new doctrine is this? This guy teaches with great authority. We've never seen it like this before. And so uh, there were four guys, and they were coming to where Jesus was in a house. And, and as they come uh, to the house, they see a man paralyzed on a mat. And they picked up four corners and they climbed the roof because they couldn't get in through the door and they cut a hole in the roof and they dropped the man who was paralyzed and they got him to Jesus because they believed that Jesus could change that man's life. Now, I want us to pick up in verse 5 of chapter 2. Now, listen. The paralytic drops down. Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith... Now, that's not the faith... probably the faith of the paralytic too, but he saw the faith of the four men too. So Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has the authority to, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately the paralytic rose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of, of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus looked at the paralytic and he saw the greatest need. It wasn't strength for his legs, it was forgiveness for his sin. And friends, make no mistake, when God looks at you today, he's looking to fix the greatest brokenness in your life. And that is not healing of your finances or your physical infirmities, that is the restoration of your relationship with God. That is the fixing of the greatest need that we have, a forgiveness for our sin. The healing of the paralytic was simply a sign that Jesus had the authority to forgive sins like God did. It was a demonstration that Jesus had the authority and the power to fix the greatest need of that man's life. The paralytic was not paralyzed because he had sinned. Let me clear that up. It wasn't sin that made the paralytic paralyzed. The paralytic was paralyzed maybe because he fell as a boy. Or maybe because he was born with paralysis in his limbs. Uh, He was not paralyzed because of sin. Sin was not the culprit there. But Jesus looked beyond the weakened legs and he said, I'm going to fix the greatest need. I'm going to heal his soul. This morning as we gather here today, we need to get our eyes off the lesser things and focus on the greater things. We have the greatest need of all. And that is right relationship with God. And Jesus is the one who has the power and the authority to fix our greatest need. 
I know that leaves y'all, well, but what about my sickness? Okay, let me talk about that for a second. So you're sick. You have cancer. You, you have disease. Uh, or maybe it's, it's not the physical side. Maybe it's relationships. You, you've got fractured relationships, and they're broken and, and, and all that. Well, here, here's something I would say. First of all, God, Jesus has the power and the authority to fix broken marriages, broken finances, broken uh, relationships. He has the power and the authority to do that. On top of that, he cares enough to do it. You remember when the leper came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can, you can make me clean. If you're willing. You, you remember what Jesus, Jesus moved with compassion said, oh, I'm willing. Let's get this started. You're here today and, 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 and you, you, you believe that, that, that Jesus cares about you. Let him take you on a journey through the difficulties and the struggles that you're facing, walking hand in hand with him and let him heal what needs healing, fix what needs fixing, and trust the rest to his grace. Let him heal what needs healing, fix what needs fixing, and trust the rest to his grace. Be like Paul. Go three and four times to God. Say, oh, please take this thorn away from me. But if he doesn't, see, sometimes God demonstrates his rescuing love by taking us out of the struggle. But sometimes God demonstrates his rescuing love by taking us through the struggle. Do I believe Jesus can heal today? Absolutely. You got sickness in your life right now, you want to come down, I will pray over you and I will pray the prayer of faith. And I believe that Jesus can heal you. I just don't know that he will. He can. But it is not presumptuous for us to ask. It's just presumptuous for us to tell Jesus what his will should be. You see what I'm saying? So Jesus fixes our greatest need. He's going to start with the greatest need that we have. And that is fixing our relationship with God. Now, some of you are here and you're not followers of Christ. You have never had your sins forgiven. You live in absolute isolation from God. And so what God uh, has done is he sent Jesus to show you what his life for you could be like through Jesus. And Jesus wants to look in your heart and he wants to point you out and he wants to say, son, your sins are forgiven. Daughter, your sins are forgiven you. He wants to change your life forever. Make you a brand new creature. So that's what he wants to do. Some of you are here and you're like me. You're a follower of Jesus, but but there has been distance created between you and God because of sin. He's still your father. You're still his son or his daughter. But that sin has created barriers between you and God. And Jesus longs to speak to your heart and my heart today and say, Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and go your way. Today, Jesus will fix our greatest need. 
Which leads me to say, oh, oh, let me do the life rule. The life rule, the life rule, all right, so life rule number one, evidence, I told our staff I would use these, uh, evidence of a true encounter with Jesus is a changed life. That's life rule number, rule number one. Life rule number two, the greatest need of the individual is not always the most visible need. The greatest need of the individual is not always the most visible need. But one thing we know, the only way we're going to get fixed is by Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus to fix what's broken. There's not a person here, there's not a person in all the world who does not need Jesus to fix what's broken in their life. You flip over to Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, we have an encounter uh, two encounters specifically. One is with, uh, um, begin verse 21. One is with uh, a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, look, my daughter is sick and I need for you to come help. And Jesus was responsive. I mean, he was ready. Okay, let's go. And he starts walking in the crowd. The multitudes were thronging around Jesus. And as he goes, there was a woman who was sick. And she said, and she didn't interrupt Jesus. She just reached out and she touched his clothes because she believed if she could touch the clothes of Jesus, then she would be healed. So she reached out while Jesus was walking. She touched his clothes and sure enough, she was healed. But Jesus perceived, it says in the scripture, that he perceived that power had gone out from him. And he stopped and he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, are you crazy? Look at the crowd. A bunch of people have touched you. But the woman who had touched the clothes, she, she, she got nervous and fearful. And so she came and she fell at Christ's feet. She said, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who did it. And Jesus chuckled and said, oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, while he's dealing with the, the, the woman uh, who was sick, uh, people from Jairus' house came and said, your little girl's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But I want you to see what Jesus said. Uh, you look down in, in, in verse 24, uh, no, verse, uh, uh, verse 36. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And he, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only sleeping, and they made fun of him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly, no one should know it. And then he said... Uh, said that something should be given to the little girl to eat. She was hungry. Uh, everyone needs Jesus. And, and you go over to, to, to Mark chapter 7, you see a Syrophoenician woman. And that, that means she wasn't Jewish. And she comes to where Jesus was and says, I need for you to, I need for you to help me. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm here to help the Jews. Why should I help you? And, and she said, even dogs deserve scraps from the, from the master's table. Let, let, just give me a little bit. I just, need, I just need this one thing. And so Jesus healed her son. Um, all of that to say, Jesus, Jesus knows what your hurt is. But do you know that your only help for that hurt 
is him. Jairus went to Jesus because he knew that the touch of Jesus could bring healing to his daughter, the the woman who was sick. She went to Jesus because she knew just touching the hem of his garment would fix what's broken in her. The Syrophoenician woman in in Mark chapter 7 came to Jesus because she believed that that Jesus could fix what's broken in her son's life. She knew, they knew, that they needed Jesus. Do you know? See, we put in our hands the ability to do so many things in this civilized culture. We think that that we can fix what's broken in our life. But friends, only Jesus can fix what's really broken. And he wants to. Jesus, Jesus is for you today. That's life rule number three. Everyone needs Jesus, and Jesus is for everyone. Have you come to him today? Have you cried out to him today? What's broken in your life? Cry out to Jesus for the fixing that needs to be done. You might say, well, you just don't know what's really broken in my life. It's too far gone. The truth is, there is nothing too broken that Jesus cannot fix it. There is nothing too broken that Jesus cannot fix it. There is no relationship too far gone. There is no finance too deep in the hole. There's no sickness too strong. Ultimately, finally, not even death itself can dissuade Jesus from fixing what's broken. See, Jesus came to fix ultimately the most broken thing, and that is the problem of our sin. The reason we live in a diseased, despairing world, the reason our world is broken is because sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus came to bring ultimate healing for that great drama of brokenness. And he did it by taking sin upon himself and dying on a cross for us. And even taking the death-dealing blow of sin's judgment upon himself, even death itself could not hold him. And he was raised from the dead. In victory. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the labor of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Why? Because Jesus is the great fixer of our soul. He is the one who makes all things right. Today, we may live in chaos, but Jesus is calm in the midst of the storm. For he is the Lord of all. So what do you do with all this today? That's a lot. It's a lot. I didn't even do John 9, uh, Mark chapter 9. wanted to, but I ran out of time. Um, what do you do with all this? Two walkaway points I want you to have. First, we need to get to Jesus. Stop. Stop everything. Don't take any more notes. Just listen. 
You need to get to Jesus. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. You need to get to Jesus. You need to get to Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, there's a blind blind man named Bartimaeus, and and Jesus was on his way to to be crucified. That's where Jesus was headed. He's walking his last trail to Jerusalem. And on his way to, to be crucified... Uh, the crowds were following, and Bartimaeus is there, and, and, uh, and, he, and he hears that Jesus is coming by. He's blind, and he can't see, but he hears that Jesus is coming by. So, so when he hears the, uh, that Jesus is right there, he cries out, Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Scripture says that the crowd tried to hush him up. Shh, don't bother the teacher. But Bartimaeus would not be dissuaded. He had to get to Jesus, and he cried out even louder, the Scripture says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, and he said, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. And Jesus just smiled and said, okay. And Bartimaeus was healed. Friends, don't let anything stand in the way of you getting to Jesus today. We need to wake up every morning with this passionate desire. I've got to get close to Jesus. I need to run to Him. I've got these problems in my life. My to-do list is too big. My my relationships are fragile. I need Jesus. I don't need another self-help book. I don't need another program. I need Jesus. Jesus is the healer. I need Jesus. Friends, you spend a lot of time doing politics and maneuvering and managing and controlling and dictating you and I we need to let go control and we need to bow our lives before Jesus we need to come to him crying out oh Jesus son of David have mercy on me stop trying to be in control that's where the chaos comes from we need to get to Jesus and we need to get others to Jesus. We need to do whatever it takes to get others to Jesus. You have friends, you have neighbors, you have co-workers, you have school friends, and their lives are broken, shattered to pieces. And we need to be like those four men in Capernaum who saw the paralyzed man on the mat. And each one of us need to pick up a corner of that mat and we need to pay the price to get that man to Jesus because we believe the only hope for that man is Jesus. You've got friends, you've got neighbors, you have people all around you every single day and we must have that kind of passion for Christ that fuels a compassion for others and get them to Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all. 
and he will fix what's broken.